suburban eastern Australia, an environment that has, over time, evolved some extraordinarily unique groups of Homo sapiens. Despite the reputation of their homeland, some are remarkably thin-skinned, some seem to have multiple lifespans, a few were once thought to be extinct in the region, others have been observed being sacrificed by their own. But today, we observe a small tribe akin to a group of meerkats that gather together atop a small mound to watch, question, and discuss the current events of their city, their country, and their world at large. Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Well, hello there, dear listener. This is our election wrap-up episode. What a fascinating election result that was in so many ways. And that's probably all we'll talk about over the next hour and a half. I reckon there's enough there in it to to talk about and ponder over and look into the future and all the rest of it. So this is the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast. I, of course, am Trevor, a.k.a. the Iron Fist. With me, as always, Shay the Subversive. Good evening. And he was here, Joe the Tech Guy, but he's disappeared briefly. He'll be back. Oh, no, there he is. Evening all. I fat-fingered a wrong key. There we go. So Joe's (laughs) here as well. So if you're in the chat room, make some comments because I reckon this is an episode where we will be able to just interrupt with comments. Sometimes it's tricky, but I think this is one where we can can interrupt with the comments. So go ahead and make them and – We'll see what we talk about, but uh, boy, oh boy, what an interesting, (laughs) and already (laughs) Mel in the chat room, hi everyone, ding dong, the dickhead's gone, (laughs) that's right, oh yes Mel, what an evening, very interesting, and Landon Hardbottom and Alison, oh the usual suspects are all there, James, Jack H, oh fantastic, very good. So Shay, you worked hard in the Ryan electorate for a Labor aiming for a Labor victory, and nobody saw it coming, but we ended up with a Greens victory in Ryan. Yeah, so um, the vibe of the thing was that, yeah, Labor was going to get, Labor was going to get the protest vote. I mean, I was doing phone banking and people I was speaking to had, um, Certainly when pre-poll opened, had already committed to Labor or were preparing to vote Labor. sounded all very positive. And then, yeah, the day came and we were obviously pouring rain for what seems like mm-hmm. another another day. It just seems like it's never stopped raining. Yeah, I'm about to start <laughs> yes. building an arc. It's getting to that point. Exactly. <laughs> so we all stood in the rain in our raincoats and I was just thinking, wow, people are really moving towards green volunteers, like really actively. Often people will be like, oh, my vote is my personal thing, da-da-da-da, but no, there was like very self-expressed people arriving to vote greens. Even I would hand out a Labor how to vote card and people would say, you'll get my second preference, but I'm voting greens today. (laughs) Right, yep. Yeah. So on the day you could feel it. But definitely feel it. But I kept being assured by 
the campaign manager that don't worry, the vibe here is green, but it won't be across the whole of Ryan. Right. I was like, okay, in Barton, mm. where mostly our liberals are, <laughs> not to typecast people, but that's sort of, yeah, mm. the pattern. Yeah. So anyway, I was right. Yeah. And it went green. And the lead up, you know, with all the polling that these parties do, no, nothing to sort of indicate that this was on the cards, that, you know, no hint of this beforehand, just on the day, it's a bit of a surprise to everybody, really? I just think there must have been some nuance missing. Like right. what What does the – I've never had one of those poll calls. Yeah. Do they ask you to hit greens or do they just say, are you likely to vote for Scott Morrison? Yeah, I don't know. How does it work? I don't know how they do it, but um, – Seems to be some nuance missing anyway. Yeah, yeah. So – a truly fascinating result, the whole thing. So, in a sense, a uh, big swing against the government, but not really towards Labor, obviously to the independents, the Teals, and, the and you know, the Greens. And interesting that the swings were effective. You know, normally if there was a uniform swing to the Greens, it would be meaningless, you know, if if they were previously 10% and then they moved to 12%, well, they still don't win a seat normally, but it just happened to be in seats where they got well-targeted. The sort of votes they picked up were mm. votes that won them electorates. Fascinating. Yeah. 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 They certainly knew what they were doing. Like they mm. put, pulled their resources to <coughs> particular target seats and they mm. really knew their stuff. Like mm. we didn't win any of the seats we targeted. Yeah. 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 Yep. So I'm just trying to think. In the state election, the Greens were very prominent here. I think she came mm. close. The local Green came close in the state election. So, yeah, definitely well organised. Um, yes. Yeah. So, Joe, if you see any comments um, as you as we're dealing here, flick them up on the <coughs> screen. Um, and, yeah, so... So what have we got? We've got the decimation of the Liberals uh, mm. is, is quite apparent by this. And, look, I maintained for a long time that the 2019 election was a great election to lose for Labor. Mm. Mainly I was saying it because with the pandemic and the necessary spending that had to take place, if Labor had done that spending, then for the next 50 to 100 years, all we would hear about was how Labor can't be trusted with money. So mm -hmm. it was a good election to lose about three years ago. But now it's become apparent, I think, that giving Morrison three years was really giving these guys enough rope to hang themselves and to really <laughs> do the job properly. <laughs> Where well, it was certainly time to for for a huge independent swing. Yes, because I I, I think <clears throat> without Simon Simon Holmes Court getting sick of the total inaction of the Liberals and helping get that movement up mm. and running, mm. I don't think the Liberals would have let, yeah bled so badly. Yeah. Mm. So um, Alison in the chat room, she agrees with me. Uh, Don says, I think Morrison lost because of Trevor. Thanks, Don. <laughs> um, uh, yes. Um, 
what else have we got in the chat room here? Um, uh, Alison's in Brisbane. Labor's currently 34 votes ahead of the Greens on postal votes. So, yeah. Um, and Watley's in the chat room as well. Good on you. So, um, so I really woke up the next day. It was a little bit like when um, Turnbull took over from Abbott. And it was like, oh, finally the adults are in charge again. It felt like that. Yeah. It's finally when we have a, a prime minister on the world stage, we just won't be embarrassed as much. Mm. So I sort of had that feeling of relief the next day um, and just a sense that um, that we're just back to being a normal country again. I really yes. had that feeling. So, so we won't have the French going, I don't think I know. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so that was my sort of first impression was relief, and and yeah, this we really have to contemplate now the destruction of the Liberal Party in that their traditional voting base has completely disappeared. These mm. seats in the basically just the cities are all mm. Labor now, and. It's. Oh, I wouldn't say that. There's an awful lot of them <clears throat> that are independent. Yes. Uh, sorry, independent or green, but just not, just not liberal, and yeah. their their voter base has just abandoned them. And it's kind of interesting to see. It shouldn't matter. The geography determines your vote, because really, how many laws are passed that are actually geography specific? But you can kind of look at a map of Australia and go, you know, inner city, not liberal, outer outer suburban fringes, new housing estates, you know, before you you know that that transition zone between the city and the rural is is where the liberals are. That sort of mortgage mm. belt of new homes. And then you've got um, the National Party um, in the sort of regional areas. The Country Party. Yeah, the Country Party. And, like, we don't pass laws that are really geography-specific. So it's just mm. interesting that if you, that, that it just maps out that way and follows a certain geography. So I think the MPs are supposed to be lobbying for their communities mm. and that's the point of having a re ha having a, a local mp as opposed to the senate which is state-based mm. yeah um <coughs> so i was trying to figure this out and i read an article by crikey i'm going to jump ahead to this one to try and explain it and uh, uh let me just see if i can find this now because i'm going to do it out of order um uh, bear with me a second um, it's, well, it's, while you're thinking about yep, that, yep. I um, pulled the two-party preferred because that's all that's available for each of the booths in my electorate. Mm -hmm. And it's it's impressive, you know, from Bridgman Downs, which is very, very uh, McMansions, mm -hmm. so large acreage blocks. They were 9% to, um, to labour away from... Um, uh, the Liberals. Right. Uh, but you start 
moving out and you get into Marumba Downs, which is 1% towards the Liberals, Strathpine, 1.5%, Eaton's Hill, 2%, Bray Park, 3.5%, North Lakes, 4.5%, that was the pre-polls, uh, and then Kalanga, 5 and 6.79 was the highest vote to the Liberals. Right. Sorry, swing to the Liberals. Swing to the Liberals. So just the further that, yes. the, so the further <clears throat> out of town the booths went, the yep. there was a significant change. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. So this article by Benjamin Clark in Crikey, um, he said that much has been written about how women and the moral middle class have reasserted their political agency by flipping liberal strongholds to independence. But it wasn't simply that the affluent changed their minds, their electorates are also demographically changing. The broader population might be getting older, but many inner suburban seats, such as Victoria's Kuyong and Higgins, have got younger as students and young renters have clustered in formerly old money neighbourhoods that are now university and nightlife hubs. So that's a good explanation that a lot of the inner city electorates have now got just a lot more young people in them. So an electorate like Kuyong, a very young. Uh, he said Queensland seats... Like, yeah. Sorry? The Queen, Queensland seats that delivered for the Greens are similarly young. In Griffith and Brisbane, 45% and 46% of Brisbane voters respectively are under 40 which are some of the highest proportions in the country. So, again, young electorates. Um, so what he says here, though, is homeowners still frustrated labour. Another generational issue seems to have factored in, and that's home ownership. The coalition's vote held up and labour's failed to make inroads in some suburban seats, such as Longwood and Brisbane and Casey and Melbourne. Uh, it's a similar dynamic to the 2019 election where Morrison demonised Labor's negative gearing and capital tax policies. Um, these outer suburbs are mostly home to middle-class, middle-aged families, including many migrants who have purchased homes far from the CBD, the only place they can afford. Some vote Labor in line with their workplace, but many reflexively pull the property ladder up after themselves. And a University of Sydney professor, Annika Galja, wrote in the conversation, there's a strong correlation between the average age of buying one's first home, 36, and the average age at which voters switch from being more likely to vote Labor or Greens to the coalition, which is apparently mm. age 34 or 35. So... It makes sense that home ownership can inculcate a degree of economic conservatism. Your most valuable asset is now tethered to ratcheting wealth inequality. So that could be the only explanation I've sort of heard for what you've seen in those booths, Joe, that the further out you go, the more mortgage <coughs> stress people are under. They need that house to um, be an asset and they worry that Labor's uh, well, certainly the Liberals talk about the home and maintaining the value of the home and Labor less so. So there's something in all that, I think. Well, no? I, I would say, I mean, if you're looking at places like um, Bridgman Downs, those people mm. are definitely homeowners. Yes. I would say that they're, they're less stressed about their mortgage. Yes, yes. Uh, if you combine Bridgman Downs, maybe... you're probably quite wealthy. 
Yeah, yeah and, and I think um, it, it tends to be the yeah the the, the and, lower income and, groups. And, and you also bought it years ago, and you've benefited from the wealth, um, you know, from the increase in house prices. Whereas in those newer suburbs, people have only bought recently, and they haven't um, built up the equity like the Brisbane Towns would have, for example, maybe. I, I'd be interested to see where all the um, sea change, tree change, all of the uh, the Mexicans coming from south of the border. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and to see what their booths have voted. Mm. Yeah. Because you wonder how many of those ended up in places like North Lakes. Mm. Anyway, it's very interesting. Geography plays such a part of this, so... I mean, if you uh, let me just see if I've got it on the. Um, uh, actually, well, let's let's talk about some totals while we've got some stuff here. Um, so, in terms of this, was just from a couple of days ago. It might have changed a little percentage here or there, but effectively, uh, coalition thirty five percent, Labor thirty two percent. Greens, 11.9%. One Nation, 5. United Australia, 4. Others, 10.5. So um, what that showed was a swing against the coalition of 5.7% and a swing against Labor of 0.5%. And swings going to to other groups. So that was... um, um, but but some of that could be strategic. So, uh, yeah. as Barry Cassidy said, like say for example, I voted Green and preference Labor because I definitely didn't want Liberals, and I'm quite happy to have a Labor candidate win, but um, not not secular enough, and not um, doing enough on you know taxing billionaires, and just the Greens had some policies. So my vote was really saying. I like your Labor, but I want you to go harder. I want you to do more like the Greens. <laughs> and so um, so while there, was a, there wasn't the swing to Labor, because of the preferential voting system, people like me were able to put in that, that sort of indicator to be more like the Greens. And, yeah, so that's part of it as well, perhaps. So... Um, the other thing that we need to look at, so, you know, we're sort of patting ourselves on the back a little bit in Queensland in that we got a couple of Greens uh, candidates up. How progressive are we up here in Queensland? Yes. <laughs> but, but if you look at the seats won, the Liberal National Party in Queensland, 21 seats. That's where all their seats have, have come from. Only five seats for Labor. Now, this might yeah. this is from a couple of days ago, so it might get up to six or seven, who knows, but 21 to the LNP in Queensland. But most of those are national seats. Yes. And they're, they're in, in the regions. Yes. Mm. Queensland is a very decentralised state compared to the other states. So there's a big regional area there. But So, yeah, if we want to pat ourselves on the back in Queensland as being progressive, um, most of the <laughs> 21 seats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
uh, what else have I got here in terms and, of- and how many did they have across the country? 50-something? Um, I'm not sure. I'll have that somewhere in these. Um, so, so, so Actually, I've got it in this screen 50, here. Out of 50, 21 were from Queensland, so yeah. almost half. So, so just in G- Liberal Party, 24 seats nationally. LNP, which is the merged Liberal National Party in Queensland, 21 mm-hmm. seats, and the Nationals, nine seats. So I'll just repeat that. Just pure Liberal, 24 seats nationally. LNP, which is the Queensland merger of Liberal National Party, 21 seats, and the Nationals, nine. Now, I think you're right, Joe. I was trying to find what's the breakup of those LNP um, seats in Queensland, the 21. How many of them are Liberal and how many of them are really old Nationals? I haven't been able to find it. Someone will write an article on it one day. <clears throat> there, there was a nice map of um, all of the different electorates colouring them in. Yeah. And you could see that basically outside of the city centres was a sea of blue. Yes. And it was only as you got into the city centres that changed. Yes, that's right. So, Apart from Cata. Yes. Um, I think I used that map on the promo for this show, so um, maybe right. it'll come up here. Uh, work my way through it. So, so anyway, it's embarrassing. So anyway, Queensland was um, Queensland was a stronghold for the LNP, and it's going to provide a. Uh, oh, there yeah. it is. Yeah, thanks, one. Joe. Yeah, that's the one. So, yeah, if you look at a map of Australia, it's just these. It's a sea of blue and green. But it's where the people live in the cities that's completely red or teal. And, and, and so the greens, the dark green is the, the nationals and the blue is the liberals. Right. So yep. South Australia WA is mostly liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, huge area of Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland are nationals. Yep. Um. Which is strange because that says regional Queensland is nationals as opposed to LNP. Yeah, I don't know how that map – that was from the Australian side. No. It's, it's hard to yeah. d- distinguish between LNP, who's actually notionally liberal and who's notionally national in the mm-hmm. LNP mixture. So, um, so anyway, I think part of that, yes, it's a decentralised state – and also, we just have Murdoch newspapers in this state, nothing else to balance things out. So um, so we'll talk about Murdoch in a little bit. Um, um, Some good news, though. We got yes. rid of Amanda Stoker. Yes. So that's good. Yes. And she was such a friend to the Noosa Temple of Satan. Yes. <laughs> she, was, she was actually quite – she was quite friendly to us, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Smiling assassin. And have we worked out whether Pauline Hansen got the last six, the sixth Senate spot? Say that three well, times fast. We're, we're hoping that the um, marijuana party does. <laughs> yes. Last I heard. So we've moved back to the centre, yeah. haven't we, Queensland? So it's in the right direction. Exactly. But, but honestly, this government, after everything they did in the last mm. three years, 
So, okay, well, we'll talk a little bit about Murdoch now and the press. But, you know, people have said, ah, oh, you know, we overcame Murdoch. Uh, you know, the good thinking people of Australia managed to overcome Murdoch and it just shows that he's not as powerful as what people think. It's kind of a line that's being said. And I'm here to declare bullshit because yes. if Murdoch wasn't around and Fairfax and Stokes supporting these guys and if you had a proper media showing mm. all of the ills of this government, they shouldn't have got 5% of the vote. No. The fact that they still got, you know, what was it, 39% in Queensland is outrageous and is down to Murdoch and the biased media. And if it was a proper independent media that was um, showing all the warts of this government, uh, you know, it it shouldn't have got 5% of the vote. That was such a bad government that even their own former leaders were just denouncing them as a terrible, corrupt, Mm. hopeless rabble. Even their own members were doing it, like Concetta, Feveriati and others in the parliament, declaring Mm. that their leader was a fraud and a con man. Like, um, So, yeah, so I'm not accepting this line that, oh, it just goes to show that people power can overcome Murdoch. Uh, The fact that there was still so many voted for this bunch of criminals um, shows he had a significant victory. Well, we'll find out, depending on the ICAC and what powers it's granted, mm. we'll find yeah. out whether or not they were a bunch of criminals. Yes, yes, we will But find even out. one of the voters came up to me and said a similar thing, like I hope I hope Labor wins or the Green win, Greens win and you got to consider how unpopular the Liberal Party would be if Rupert Murdoch didn't have that protection racket. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, talking of foreign interference in our elections, yes, indeed. Um, Guy Rundle in Crikey said um, the House of Representatives has become a multipolar House of Assembly without requiring the arrangement that usually makes that possible, being multi-member proportional voting electorates. So, for years now, you know. The Greens, for example, have been getting 10% of the vote but not getting 10% of the members of parliament. Mm. And where you have sort of a proportional voting system as they do in New Zealand and different European countries, you know, they would be getting, uh, you know, 10% of the elected members. So incredibly in this election... um, even without that proportional voting, we've ended up with a proportional sort of parliament. Quite incredible. Mm. Uh, quite incredible targeting and grassroots work, like the work <laughs> done by those teal candidates and their supporters and the Greens. Lots of so many man hours. Very impressive. Yeah. And, like, each of them had about 1,500 volunteers each, so it was no small thing. Yeah. Like. People were angry and that was good to see. But it is sad that that's what it took. I mean, we had to have that billionaire get on board, then we had to have that comedian. He had to start a channel and put billboards up in New York and, Mm. like, 
it was like such a community thing, but it really, it, to overcome Rupert Murdoch and the Liberal Party really took something from so many communities. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and maybe it shouldn't take all that. I actually think we should have um, Friendly Geordies in charge of the ICAC. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> It's going to keep some people very busy sorting through mm-hmm. what's yes. happened in the last nine years. Um, it should be, no, yeah, Labor gets cracking on that so that the results start coming out in the end of the second year, beginning mm-hmm. of the third year of this term. Um, that's what they that's need. That's where I'd be looking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have I got here? Um, uh, Queensland. Um, yeah, and so now we've got um, the nationals are a significant proportion of the Liberal National Party coalition. And what a, what a terrible bedfellow to have if you are the Liberals and you are now trying to resurrect, um, move with the times, recognise the problems and change your party when you're tethered to the National it's Party. It's a choice. Who are the exact opposite of where you need to be, given Matt Canavan? Yes. Just well, aren't they going to have to start worrying about funding? Wouldn't that be the way you'd have to talk to people like Barnaby Joyce? All those wealthy moderate seats, all those donations. That's where I'd be trying to look. I would be trying to bribe the pricks to consider coming to the party. They're just so ideologically driven by being anti-climate change, yeah. and it, yeah, they I couldn't think, really. Mm. You know, guys like Matt Canavan, Barnaby Joyce, they, they, these guys are rusted onto their positions. Um, I can't see them changing, and for that matter, how are the Liberal Party going to possibly deal with what's what's happened here? Because mm. unbelievably, you've got a lot of the particularly Christian right wing, but also the Sky News and the Australian right wing media, Murdoch, Murdochracy people. Incredibly, they are saying that the reason the Liberals lost <laughs> was because they turned too far left. <laughs> Yep, and I had all of this climate change, Namby-Pamby, you know. This, woke, <laughs> this wokeism, and that's yeah. why they lost, was because <laughs> they had they had departed from their liberal roots. And and honestly, it's you're laughing, Shay. You're laughing. <laughs> but that is what they're saying. And I've got this. I'm going to find this. Um, I think I've got it here. Hopefully I've got it. This um, <sighs> Rowan... Um, Rowan Dean, this this is an example of, of what's going on here. So this is definitely worth listening to. We'll, um, this, of course, is Rowan Dean, editor of The Spectator and also yes. on um, Sky News. This, this He's not alone in this. Here he goes. 
When you shed your party's convictions, principles and values, toss them out the window. Now we are faced with three years of hardcore left-wing government that will destroy the fabric of this nation. We will see our living standards crushed, our livelihoods damaged, our cultural institutions devastated, our kids' future prosperity decimated because, despite every warning we gave you, Scott Morrison and the bedwetters betrayed their conservative base. And then they all lost their seats. Talk about instant karma. But there is a silver lining to this cloud. The Liberal Party under Peter Dutton has the chance to be a true conservative mainstream party now that all the bedwetters have gone. Personally, I can't wait for, mm, check my diary, early 2025. Put it in your diary too. Donald Trump will be sworn in as the next US president or Ron DeSantis. And a few weeks later, Peter Dutton and the Liberals will be swept into power in Australia following three disastrous and incompetent years of a Teals-led Labor government where Parliament obsesses over woke identity politics, climate and Indigenous issues as the economy grinds to a halt under their watch. It's going to be a long three years. It sure is. But 2025, mark it in your diary. Dutton, Trump, the Liberals will be back. In the meantime... Have you ever watched V for Vendetta? <laughs> no. Okay, there's a character on that who's a, <laughs> a news anchor. I just he just reminded so so the the premise is Britain has been taken over by a fascist dictatorship, right? Uh, a la Big Brother, and there is this right wing pundit who stands up on television and and rants like that and yes. sounded exactly the same. Yes. Yeah. It just. They, they, this is genuinely mainstream in the Liberal Party that they went too far progressive and that's why they lost. Yeah. Without being able to look and go, but it was progressive candidates who beat us. So mm. how would that have worked? But the, Good. Keep keep pulling them further and further right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, as we've said before, the Liberal Party has been taken over by evangelical Christians and they are convinced about their ideology and they're not for turning. So it's going to be fascinating to watch as so-called moderates in the Liberal Party, is it Bridget Archer was the one from Tasmania? Yeah. Um, who sort of voted against the religious discrimination bill, crossed the floor on that. Um mm -hmm. You know, as people like that try and yeah, try and um, and turn the party, the the mm -hmm. evangelical Christians will have none of it, none of mm -hmm. it whatsoever. And um, the, the the people in charge of that party, it's it's already poisoned and contaminated beyond redemption. Mm. They they internally cannot fix themselves. Sorry, Joe, you sound like you want to say something to that. I was, I'm trying to find a quote. There was a quote from a former um, liberal leader who was saying uh, the liberals have a problem and that problem is right-wing Christianity. Yes. Yeah. He was um, the guy from Western Australia. Yeah. So, oh, um, right. 
Ben Smee, who's with The Guardian, said the Christian right are not going to sit back and say, you know what, maybe the LNP does need to shift to the centre. It's not how they operate. And here was a tweet from Lyle Shelton. Wealthy Australians from our inner cities who don't understand the consequences of their vote have taken our nation to the hard left. These are people who don't know where our electricity comes from, nor can they define woman. Our nation is in trouble. That's uh, Lyle Shelton. Um, yeah. yeah, but via Lyle, come on. Yeah. Um, actually, it was Bill Hassel, former party leader, um, one of the leaders. Um, he was a former federal cabinet. No, actually, former federal cabinet minister Ken Wyatt lost his seat of Hasluck. Mm. Condemned the party for being bloke-centric. It's, it, Morrison was so very, very blokey. Everything was mm-hmm. about the footy and tradies, mm-hmm. and it was never about women, female workers, never on the horizon. It was- Didn't listen, and he was told and told and warned and warned. Mm. They should have. They should have brought back Tony Abbott as Minister for Women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least. Tony Abbott liked women. I think Morrison just doesn't like them. He doesn't count them. Just doesn't count them at all. With that mm. whole Christian attitude of his, this Pentecostal thing that women are there to be servants of men. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I don't know what women Morrison had in his inner circle of advisors, but at least Abbott had Credlin, like. You know, at least he was taking some counsel from a woman. So I think Abbott was more friend, women friendly than Morrison. He's just a evangelical prick who thinks women are just got to be something out of The Handmaid's Tale. So, mm. oh, well, that's it. They can't just be in the room. They have to be heard as well. Mm. According to Annabelle Crabb, there was more women in his cabinet than had ever been front benches. Right before or something, so he had a number of women in there, and that might have been for a Liberal Party, not for Labor Party. But yeah, so he did have some um, points he could have, you know, scored in mm. his campaign, which he just never mentioned because I don't think he thought it mattered. Mm. Okay, I have to mention this because being in the art world where colour is important, um, teal, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> You're looking at the screen, that dark uh, green, dark bluey green, that's teal. The much lighter colour on the right, that's turquoise. So um, so actually a lot of the teal candidate supporters were wearing the turquoise colour <laughs> rather true. than teal because teal is a very much a dark, muddy, fairly unattractive Bluey green. But turquoise is longer when you're writing out your print to get in your headlines. Correct, mm. indeed. But let's just get that straight when it comes to colour, please. Um, so yeah. just, yeah, just important little side note there on colour. So end of rant on that and one. And some of them weren't teal. They keep insisting. Some of them yes. were pink and That's orange. Right. And yeah. um, Kathy McGowan, <clears throat> the sort of first independent that did it, she wants people to call them community independence, and that's not going to take off either. Yeah. 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 Anyway. What's happening in the chat room? Um, 
did anyone else vomit a little in their mouth seeing ScoMo's first thing? Um, actually, let me put it up on the screen here. Um, seeing ScoMo's first thing after being booted out was to go and do a promo in church. Uh, I just where where he shed a little tear. He did. <laughs> yeah. So um, no, I just kept thinking, thank. God, we don't have to listen to this guy anymore. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and Peter on election night, Peter Gradlin, mm-hmm. was in UAP colours. Oh, okay. She looked like right. a wasp. Right. Yeah, bright yellow. <laughs> we we turned over to Fox to watch the tears. Sorry, Sky News, to mm. watch the tears. Did you? <laughs> yes. So, um, so let's see. Um, we've got... Uh, you know, Dutton seems to be um, in the box seat for taking over the Liberal Party. And, I mean, when you've just lost an election because you're not progressive enough and you have a problem with women, it hardly seems that Peter Dutton would be the guy that you would want <laughs> to solve that. Um, here's what uh, Mark McGowan, the... Western Australian mm. Premier had to say about um, about Dutton. Oh well, apparently he will be. Um, he's an extremist. He's an extremist, and uh, I don't think he fits with modern Australia at all. And he doesn't seem to listen. He's extremely conservative. Uh, I, I actually don't think he's that smart. I've seen him present on things. I don't really pick up there's much there. Do you want to see? I, as opposed to Morrison, Scott Morrison, is a clever guy. Uh, I don't pick up um, that um, that uh, Peter Dutton is fit to be Prime Minister. Just wait. The AFP will be bashing down his door in a minute. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's now in a very marginal seat. So um, mm-hmm. interesting to see what happens with him, if he can somehow manufacture a new friendlier, more gentle persona. All I can ever see is the guy from Mad as Hell, Tosh Greenslade or whatever, doing his impersonation (laughs) of Dutton. (laughs) That poor actor is going to be putting on that that, uh, headpiece. (laughs) Every photo I see, he looks more and more like Lord Voldemort. Yes. But isn't his appeal in his being formidable as an opposition leader? Like, I don't really get why he would change tack. Well, like, make him the leader and then have Bridget McKenzie, the deputy. Yes. And wouldn't that soften soften it a bit yeah. until the ICAT comes? I mean, clearly had Frydenberg <laughs> survived, given the nature That's of the loss and the reasons why, they would have just said, we need Frydenberg because he's just got more appeal to, mm. to people. Uh, he's less um, Voldemort than what you are, so yes. but he's not around. Um, this is the thing as well. That, you know, they kept describing um, Frydenberg as a moderate, but he voted in line with Barnaby Joyce every time. Like every time. he wasn't a moderate at all. His his mm. his heroes are Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan. Yes, he's, he's not. That's not a moderate. No, but uh, that's what that's what. You know, the ABC, when referring to all these sorts of things, will refer to, say, moderates such as Josh Frydenberg, but he's not at all. 
They mean palatable. Yeah. Yep. Um, let me see. Just on this thing about how the sort of cheerleaders and heavy hitters within the LNP are really convinced that the error was that the incredibly that the Morrison government was too far left. Like this, <laughs> this is not a joke. Um, this is from Bernard Keane writing in Crikey. Um, <clears throat> uh, far-right South Australian Liberal Alex Antic warned, the Liberal Party's experiment with the poison of leftism and progressivism must be over. We adopted a liberal moderate platform on energy, on climate, on the culture issues, and that platform has failed, another far-right senator, Matt Canavan, reckoned. According to former Abbott Chief of Staff Peter Credlin, quote, instead of sticking with the quiet Australians who'd support him to his miracle win last time, Morrison's shift to the left didn't placate the teals, but it sure alienated one time coalition supporters who moved in droves to splinter parties on the right. No, they didn't. Andrew Bolt. What? One nation picked up 2%. Right. Okay. In my seat. Yeah. Or, no, I think it was across the okay. countrywide they picked up right. 2%. It. No, no, it was nothing. All right. um, Andrew Bolt insisted. I see some of the more clueless liberal survivors crawl from the wreckage and whimper that they've got to swing even more to the left. Have these clowns learnt nothing? If the liberals don't grow a spine and get off their knees, they are finished. Wow. Ah. Um, that's the sort of stuff that is being said. Uh, that's what's My going to be Mom. going on in the party room as they are working out where do they go to from here. And with the hardline Christians in charge, um, I just can't see them making a meaningful move in the way they've got to. Can't see mm. it happening. So That's good for us. So They'll be exposed and then they'll just yeah. go away. It's a, it's a seismic shift, that's for sure. Um, um, what else did we have here? Well, and there's been some discussion about whether the Nationals still want to be in coalition with them. Mm. Yeah. Or at least renegotiate because the Nationals are now in a position of power. Yes. They'll want even more shadow ministry positions. Mm. Or, or even like. I, it's been argued that um, even a shot at the Prime Ministership. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. Barnaby, Barnaby is PM. Yeah. <laughs> mm. All right, in the chat room. You'll have to, you'll have to give up the drink. Mm. In the chat room, Alison is snort laughing in the as she's watching. That's good. <laughs> uh, uh, look, this election had some really sweet moments in it as well. Like even when Labor lost a seat, Christina Keneally, that was a great result. Great result. For two Such reasons. Arrogance. Parachuted in from yeah. outside, ignoring the wishes of the locals. And two, she's a very pro-religious discrimination bill, very hardline Catholic, very happy to see her out of the joint myself. Um, if I could have 
you know, if I could have sat down with a pen and paper and drafted an election result, okay, Labor, working government, independents and Teals and Greens, big boost. Oh, by the way, can nearly gone. <laughs> couldn't have couldn't have written it any better. There was another one gone. Another one, uh, oh, and Tim Wilson gone I, as well. That was it was, you know. it was it was the basically the forty five percent of that electorate picked up mm-hmm. en masse and moved across to support the local former Labor candidate yeah. who got booted out, I, who I, stood as an independent. I, I don't no, think it was, it was no. It was it, it was a new was independent. It wasn't the yeah. it wasn't the Labor one. It was a it was a different one. Oh. Yeah. yeah, but um. Yeah. So, um, uh, did the Parramatta man win? It was another parachute. Um, supposed to be a genius. Lived on the beach. I don't Labor know. man worked for Kevin Rudd. Yeah, I know. Like uh, a, but I a, don't think we had another candidate there, so I think he was all right. Yeah. Um, but I no, don't know. These these parties have to recognise that. Why will People be a local branch member if you just get trodden over, whether it's Labor or Liberal. You've got to show mm. some respect to the local branch. Yes. Unfortunately, in the case of the Liberals, that means the, the local evangelical Pentecostal field branch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but hey, you know, you let your party get taken over that way. Um, that's what happens yeah. to you. Uh, so, was it Parramatta was the electorate? Yeah, Joe will look yeah. that up. Yeah. Yes, he won in Parramatta, um, says uh, John okay. Simmons. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Labor got 41% of the vote, Liberals 35 mm. on a oh, – that's, no, that's first preferences. Mm. He got 54 on two-party preferred. Mm. And, you know, could you believe the day of the election – Oh, look out. Boat people have arrived. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now, I never got to the bottom of this because I didn't get a text message. Oh, didn't you? Right. No. You, you, saw, that, you saw that tweet, didn't you? Uh, I don't, the, I don't one, know. One tell me, tell me one, what happened. So On, on Monday there was boats. a tweet that said, oh, boat people have arrived off the coast today. There was a mistake. They were booked to arrive on Saturday. <laughs> That's it, yes. <laughs> But that's a joke. That's not really what happened. It wasn't a setup or anything. No. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. So I think there'll be an investigation into that, amongst other things, as to, mm. you know, for a government that never wanted to comment on on-water operational matters. Mm. <laughs> oh, dear. It's just a... Uh, they're like a, it's like the chaser has been put in charge of this mob yes. to do the most outrageous things. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. From the fake Scott Morrison account, extremely concerning that a boat full of illegal immigrants from Sri Lanka has been intercepted in Australian waters today. They were supposed to be here three days ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um. What else have we got? Oh, here? the shameful chapter is over. I am mostly relieved. Mm. Uh, <sighs> what else have we got? Um, 
Oh, there was just that thing by Alexander Downer. He, mm. he is going to be, he's invited on to Q&A this okay. Thursday. Just him? Oh, with some other people. But was, I think I'm quoting Crikey here. Downer has been out of politics for 15 years and his solitary, noteworthy contribution during the campaign was a piece of misogynistic drivel about independent female candidates depriving great liberal men of their seats. Like, did you hear that comment? It was like, how dare these no. women? They are depriving these great men of their seats, of their, of their destiny, was essentially what he was saying. And the only time I've <clears throat> ever seen Alexander Downer is the YouTube clip where Paul Keating is just serving it up to him right? and, like, playing the violin at him and everything. Yep. That's the only Alexander Downer. So he's in, he's invited onto Q and A this Thursday, and uh, his presence on the national broadcast is particularly offensive, given that Bernard Collery, at least for the moment, remains on trial for revealing Downers yeah. and John Howard's evil act of bugging the Timor Leste cabinet to help Downers' future employer Woodside. What what is the ABC doing? I don't know. This this guy. Bugged the Timor-Leste meeting room. The information was used to benefit Woodside, for whom Downer then went to work for. The mm. Bernard Collery, the lawyer who is helping the whistleblower, is in a terrible trial in Canberra. And the ABC's given this guy a platform to spruik his nonsense on Q&A. The ABC... Um, Mark Dreyfus has said that if he becomes the Attorney General... Mm. He's going to ask for a review, a review of the Bernard Colliery case. Good. Yeah. So, what do we need to review it for? Yeah. Just sort it out. Stop yeah. it. You should have been reading about it over the last two years, exactly. Mr. Dreyfus, and know enough about it to say it's this, this is not right. Bullshit. It's the same with Julian Assange. He should say, I know enough about the case. I'm now demanding yes. from my British colleagues and the Americans, lay off. We want him back here. Get yes. your hands off him. He's coming home. You don't need another inquiry. You should have no. done your homework over the last three years to know yes. what to do. And if you haven't, plenty of journalists have. Yeah. So, you know, the ABC, maybe it's because I'm reading so much Twitter at the moment, but um, mm. this scathing about what the ABC, how cowed that group is and you know, there's so much ammunition that you keep reading that you have to agree with it. Um, yes. The, the crap that's coming out of the ABC in a pro-conservative sense. Um, so I know my friends like Right Wing Tony and other, you know, diehard liberals just talk about the ABC as the most left-wing, shockingly biased pro-left group out. But there's plenty of evidence that a lot of their key presenters um, – run a very pro-conservative line. And mm. um, so, yeah, you know, Q&A inviting Downer on. Um, you know, they recently had that Gigi Foster on, who's that economist yes. who was very much anti-lockdowns. and um, Still is, I think. Yes. Um, I saw this tweet by this guy saying, Gigi Foster literally said, we haven't saved lives, just postponed them because they were old. So... Um, what, what the people so who somebody keep getting, should go out and shoot them. 
people and go, well, it doesn't matter. We just uh, hastened their death. Yep. Mm-hmm. The, the people who keep getting a run on that program, stop it, ABC. Just stop. Who's that foreign affairs? Greg Sheridan is on there all the time. Yes. Stop it. Have people who are expert in things with something to say. Um, so MLJ says Stockholm Syndrome, I tell you. I think that might be right. Stockholm Syndrome is where you've been held hostage um, by your captors and you start to identify and feel sorry for them and you're, you actually be, you're on their side. Um, mm. I think there was a bank robbery of some sort in Stockholm. That's that's how that came about. So, <clears throat> um, And uh, let's see in the chat room, what have we got here? From Ricky, says, this election result provides Labor the opportunity to shift to the left with some good policy now that the voters have moved to the left. I agree, Ricky. So they can look and say there's so many teal and greens voters. Uh, it is a mandate to go even more in those directions. Um, right. It's just the jump to the left. Mm, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, John, we're not censoring your posts. Um, I don't think we are. Um, um, Oh, Watley the Wizard talking about Alexander Downer. How dare those women deprive great liberal men of their fishnets? <laughs> Good one, Watley. Um, uh, I didn't think they'd be UK MPs. Yeah. So, no, there's a famous picture of Alexander Downer in fishnet stockings. It's oh. a very strange picture. Yeah. You, you know, there was a Conservative MP in the UK who died in a weird case of autoerotic asphyxiation yeah. with an orange stuck in his mouth. I, nothing would surprise me, Joan. <laughs> it was one of those bizarre things. <laughs> and did he have very ruffled blonde hair? That seems to be a thing more than just Boris Johnson now. You see lots of not, guys not with ruffled remember, blonde hair. Right, okay. Uh, let me just see what other videos I had in this video collection that I might have missed. Um, uh that was the main one, so I'll leave that one. Okay. Um, somewhere along the way, I i mean, the proportional voting system is great, isn't it? The fact that you can have a vote for the Greens, knowing that, yes. okay, if they don't get up, my second choice gets up. So, you know, not everybody has that, so that's good. Um, but in New Zealand, are you guys aware of the – how the New Zealand voting system works? No. Right. So they've got a very interesting system because, it, you know, it's a strange thing here where you've got leaders who are responsible for an electorate, like Scott Morrison, seat of Cook, I think it is, isn't yep. it? Yep. And Frydenberg Kuyong, you know. Yep. Realistically, if you've got people in charge as Prime Minister or Treasurer, you can't realistically expect these people to be on the ground looking yeah. at local at issues. And, yeah. yeah, and they shouldn't be either. Like when you're that mm. powerful, they shouldn't be able to click their fingers and get a swimming pool for their electorate that easily. Mm. Like it's it's a it's a strange system that we have in that sense. So in New Zealand, um. New Zealand has the least dissatisfaction with government of all developed countries, according to this article. 
Many Australians see New Zealand's MMP voting system as a complex German-based foreign contraption which has little to offer us. But uh, this writer, Pete Fry, argues that it's a simple, responsive, transparent process which could help improve our trust in politics. And essentially, um, what you get is the idea that each voter gets two votes. Uh, You get to vote for a local candidate to represent the local electorate, and you also get to vote for the political party that you want to run the country. So, um, So when the votes are counted, these questions are decided quite separately. First of all, the representative of local electorates are decided and they're allocated their seats in the House. So your local uh, person um, uh, gets a seat in the House of Parliament, um, but, um, but that local representatives only constitute about two-thirds of the total number of seats in the House. The parties also each have a list of extra representatives who are added to the local representatives, topping up each party's numbers. And so what they do with that second vote is you could say, so you could vote for Joe Bloggs' cannabis candidate locally who will might win and will end up in the House, and your second vote could be for Jacinta Ardern, Labor, and she gets in... Uh, and that second vote is all proportional. So if there's 35% Labor, 30% Conservative, 15% some other Greens or whatever, then votes are allocated to match up with that percentage and that way you get the smaller parties get their representation in the Parliament. And at the same time, somebody like Jacinda Ardern is not responsible for an electorate so yeah. she can't be booted out if her electorate turns against her. Uh, she'll mm. only be booted out if that overall vote brings in the other party with a higher vote. So mm. interesting. So yeah. it's more like the Senate then. Yeah, they don't have a Senate. Yeah, but you're right in that. Right. Um, but, yeah, for the whole country and... Yeah, yeah. So you're right. It's sort of like a Senate-based system mm-hmm. for that second vote, and they almost never really, really have a majority either. Mm. So they government to government, they usually do have this practice of working together. Yes. So they end up with these yeah. mixtures of of minor parties and these coalitions that have to be built. And uh, you know, it used to be years ago that you know, I think when the Gillard government ended up in a sort of a hung parliament and everybody was saying, isn't this going to be terrible, nothing will get done, and it actually, you know, lots got done, and Albanese was apparently the guy who was driving a lot of that. Meanwhile, yeah. we've had Morrison who's had a majority and has got nothing done, so, yeah. Yes. Um, but, but you look at Israel where they've got a similar proportional representation mm. and unfortunately it means that minor religious nutjobs parties have uh, a disproportionate amount of power. Well, it so must Israel's be, it must be proportionate, but it must be proportionate. When you say disproportionate, well, no, it must no. reflect the population. The amount of power that they've got is disproportionate relative to the amount of population. Well, how Having that said be? that, yeah. how... um, because they were they were needed to get the vote across the line. Oh, as in 
a bit like the Nationals in that they are a key player in forming an alliance and therefore getting yes. what they want. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I shared a link, by the way. I don't know if you have ever seen it before. Mm. CGP Grey's uh, Politics in the Animal Kingdom. No. It's a series of relatively short YouTube videos, mm -hmm. and they explain first past the post. They explain proportional representation. They uh, talk about transferable vote, which I think is what we have. Mm -hmm. They explain all the different voting systems with a imagined animal kingdom with a, li a lion, I think it is, and gorilla who are wanting to become the king of the jungle. Okay. And you put, oh, okay. And you've got that. Yeah, I see the link. And James in the chat room says, those are great. You must be aware of them. So, yeah, yeah. They, they are really, really simple videos on how the different voting systems work. Mm. Cool. Yep. So, um, so yeah, so that's what happens in New Zealand. And just, um, oh, I know Watley sent me a message about this and, it will be interesting to see the relationship between Australia and China moving forward. Um, um, I read this bit in The Guardian where uh, it said, Albanese said Australia's relationship with China, which has soured in recent years, will remain a difficult one, but signalled his government would take a less aggressive approach to pursuing Australia's national interest. And this is the quote from Albanese, quote, it is China that has changed, not Australia, and Australia should always stand up for our values and we will do so in government, in the government that I lead, he said. I think maybe Australia um, changed a little bit towards China. Um, Anthony? Are we not going to send Kay Rudd as um, our ambassador? I don't know what we're going to do. I think Kevin Rudd is actually... I don't think so. I think Kevin Rudd is going to keep himself busy trying to get this Murdoch... Murdoch Royal Commission. Stranglehold yep. defeated. I think that's what his priority is. And, yeah, if I was the government, it would be a close race between what I saw as more important, whether it was ICAC or somehow dealing with this crazy mm. media monopoly outrage that we've got. And I don't know the solution to it. Um, it can't be a monopoly because the ACCC approved it. Yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. I don't know the solution to it. Um, I don't know what you can do to make a change that would fix it. It's got me beat. So, yeah. Well, I mean, there are other topics. Well, I, I was going to say, I thought the, the socialists last week had the answer to that. <laughs> Yes, that's right. They did. Yeah. Yep. Just uh, confiscate the means of production. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. In the chat room. Including all the press. Yeah. Oh, in the chat room, Paul Wapers there. Paul, I've sent you an email. I'm around if you want to have a quick cup of coffee uh, the rest of the week. Probably not tomorrow, Paul, but Thursday, Friday, let me know. Um, actually, anybody interested in a meetup in Brisbane? Um, we haven't. Had one in a while, so if you're in the chat room and you're interested in a meetup, maybe we should think about doing that at some point. So um, indicate if you're interested. Um, we could have a picnic and enjoy the lovely weather. Yes, we'll pick a, dr <laughs> pick 
take a dry day and we will go to Felon's Brewery <laughs> under the Story Bridge. That's where I want to go. Um, mm. So, because uh, I love the pizza and the beer there. So, we could look at that. Um, look, I'm kind of, I've kind of run out of, oh, we've got lots of people saying yes. So, Alex and Alison and Don, good. Okay. Okay. Let me get my diary out and we'll, we'll, Keep an eye on the Facebook page and we'll create an event and um, uh, talk about that. Um, what else have we got? Um, anything else you guys wanted to cover? Any other thoughts you've got about the election? Because it might be a wrap it up shortly because I've kind of I just, you know, in summary, I, I can't see the Liberals internally being able to fix their problem. I can't see Dutton fixing it. I think the rot is well and truly set in in that mm. organisation. I think it's it's leadership. It's it's well and truly taken over by crazies. It, you know, the, the we follow America, and the Liberal Party is following the Republican Party. And mm. you know, when Trump left, the Republicans didn't suddenly return back to normal, did they? No. Because the rot was already set in. And Mm. I think the same is going to be the case with the Liberal Party. I think there's no solution, which is a shame because you want... We need opposition. ...to keep them honest. And Mm. the only thing that's keeping it an even contest is the um, Murdoch-Howard-Stokes... Media. If it wasn't for that, it would be a complete and utter whitewash. So that's the only thing holding them in there. Um, so yeah, can the Liberals reform? Can they make the moves they need to make? Impossible to see. Labor will they learn to be a little bit more braver with policy? I I'm expecting they will. I'm expecting hmm. they'll govern really well. Yeah. I think this will be really good. You know, I was listening to, um, I forget which independent was on 7 a.m. talking about when he was in parliament and Albanese was sort of the runner, if you will, Mm. all the policy got across. And yeah, I think, I I hope we are on the precipice of some really constructive, interesting, creative policy. I think there's a Good team there. I th- who's the mm. shadow? Who's the treasurer going to be? What's his name again? Um, Jim Chalmers. He seems impressive in that role. Um, yeah. Any wild? You know, one of the things that struck me about last week as well was that, um, you know, Anthony Albanese has been saying productivity a lot. Mm. Yeah, and how he sees to do that perfectly corresponds with the way I want to live my life. You know, if I'd like to have a baby, cheaper childcare would be good so I can get back into work so that I can build my super. Like, mm-hmm. I like the idea of being productive. But I found it really curious about um, the people you're interviewing about how they're like, oh, like if we have a revolution, we're, we, we won't have to be productive anymore. And I was <laughs> like, but perhaps we like that. Yeah, I just yeah. I found that curious that when you hear productive, you hear something quite different to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were really extreme, the guys from the Socialist yeah. Equality Party. It was a bit of a misnomer. It really should have been the Trotsky Communist Party. I mean, that would have yeah. been a fairer description of it. So, 
Yeah, I think they got a couple of thousand votes in New South Wales and maybe 500-odd in Queensland, I think. So, um, but that was good. Look, I reckon mm. looking over the next year or so, I think just this Morrison government has been so bad that, you know, every second week when we review news and politics and sex and religion, it's really been just a cataloguing of the shit that these guys have been doing. <laughs> and I'm hopeful that that there won't be that same can you believe what they've done now type of stuff happening that we will be talking about. So I'm hopeful that the next 12 months will be more let's talk about some big ideas rather than um, just wonderment at the corruption and and just um, schutzbar of of a crazy Liberal Party. So it'd be nice to just talk more about ideas. So we'll see how that yes. all pans out over the coming year. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and maybe some religious nuttery from around the world again. Yes, indeed, some of that. <laughs> and um, oh, one thing I want to mention, just my experience on polling day, uh, I pre-polled like on the Friday, I think, or the Thursday, and... When I went, everyone was very friendly in that, you know, the Greens and Labor and the Independent and whatever, but the Liberals were these awful people who were muttering, don't vote Labor. Don't risk Labor. You, you don't risk Labor. Exactly. They'd obviously been told to do that. Yes. Because you were at a different booth. So yes. they were muttering to people in the, in the queue, don't risk, don't risk the economy with Labor. Horrible stuff. Yeah. Awful. Hmm. Yeah. They mocked some of the ladies as they were passing and, um, yeah, I I was, um, I mean, it was already a depressing day because there was four Liberals to just maybe two Labors and then, like, mm. 25 Greens who were quite respectful. But, yeah, I did sort of think about, you know, what you are saying before about the rot setting in. Like, there seemed to be, like, Showing obvious contempt towards females and it's very it was very strange. Yeah, yeah. This is the type of people who have who are in that mm. party. It's hard to imagine a leopard changing its spots. Yes, I'm gonna have to try and find um, some young uh, sort of liberal supporter to sort of come on and even things up over the next mm. over this government. So. In the chat room, if you've got a, a young liberal friend who's articulate and could um, give the best shot and for the liberal side, reach out, let us know, because i um, happy to have that person give their two cents worth. And, of course, the Labor are going to make mistakes over the next three years, and so it'd be good to have somebody who's really keen to... Mm. Um, show up those mistakes to talk about it. So, yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll see. So, yeah. Um, all right. Stan Grant has a religious and ethics radio show and I want you to go on that. Oh, no. Yes, because he keeps suggesting secularism, but he has, so far hasn't had anybody on that show that's a secularist. They never do. It's the same with um, God, So you have to God, write to him. Same with God Forbid. God forbid was that ABC yeah. program, and it would always just have religious people talking in pro-religious line, never talking. But guess what? Yep. What? 
They've got a skill shortage. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's like one priest every 10,000 people here in Australia or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they don't uh, know what they're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> invite some invite some batshit crazy ones from the US. Yeah. Well, they're determined not to have women anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've run out of steam. Um, good on you in the chat room. Uh, good comments. And keep an eye on Facebook. Uh, I will think about a date for uh, a little meetup would be good. Um, next week I am going to explain why Robin Bristow did not lie in the court case and I will be going through the judgment and explaining to you how on the face of it it's clearly a case that there is no perjury there. So uh, so at the hearing last did, did you actually Friday, respond? I was going to say, did you respond to the judge? So the advice from uh, Robin's barrister was to not uh, offer any details. Just say to the judge, if you want to refer it, refer it. And the plan is to make submissions to the DPP and hope that that, uh, after hearing from uh, Robin's barrister as to why this couldn't possibly be perjury, they will just say, okay, we're not going ahead with any trial. So... That's the plan. It was felt it wasn't a good idea to go into the ins and outs of it in that courtroom. So um, so that will be next week and I'll go through that in some detail and I'll be begging for some money for Robin for legal fees because there's thousands have been spent already. So, um, so like a true religion, uh, we'll be holding out the plate, hoping for <laughs> donations. And, yeah, so I think that's what will be part of next week. So, yeah, so that's the plan there. Stay tuned for that. And an important question from uh, Paul. Yes, what was that? Uh, no, I've got, I've got plenty. <laughs> I've got plenty, Paul. And Paul Wafer gave me some beer last time. And it was, there was some beer there, Paul, that one can was like 2.7 standard drinks in one. It was... It was an alcohol content of like nine percent. It was crazy. I, I, I think I, I think there's a ploy here. Get yeah. you drunk on stream and uh... yeah. <laughs> I, I actually I'm gonna Truth have I'm gonna buy some zero alcohol beer so I can mix mm. mix the two together and actually drink the remnants of that beer. It was so high powered, Paul. So <laughs> yeah, so um so, all right, uh, that'll be next week. And I liked the uh, – I think we'll do some more interviews with people. It was good having the Socialist Equality Party guys and being able to live stream onto their Facebook page at the same time. So I think we'll mm. do some more of that stuff. So if you've got people that you want uh, me to talk to that you think would be interesting, um, make a suggestion. Send me an email. Um if you go to the website, you'll see a contact us. Or, um, it's just uh, Trevor at ironfistvelvetglove.com.au. Shoot us a message somewhere on Facebook or whatever. And, yeah, we'll have a few more different people on for some interviews, I think. So that's all of the plans. Um, thanks for tuning in. It was an interesting election. That's all from me for the moment. Bye for now. Good night. And it's a good night from him. Let's pray for one more thing. Lord, we pray for our farmers. Yes. Lord, we pray for our
for our rural communities, our indigenous communities. Lord, we pray that you'll bring light, that you'll bring hope, that you'll bring encouragement, and Lord, that you will bring rain. In Jesus' name. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, first up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it. Like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to I think $10 and various ones in between. It's really, what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just, it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners and that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.